0: John 17:17, 17, 17. the Lord Jesus said, Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. The Bibles that we have before us this morning is the truth of God. And we're in a, a series for a while on the subject of the truth found in the word of God. This morning we have a very interesting subject, which we trust we will handle carefully. In fact, Don, would you hand me those right there? I have a summary of the message this morning. We're going to look at ten things from the Word of God on the subject of love and marriage. And I didn't give these ahead of time because uh, I want you to listen and look at the Scriptures with me, but I think you'll be encouraged uh, by these ten truths that are found in the Word of God. And I will say this at this point, that some of these truths are not readily accepted by those who do not know Christ the Savior. In fact, they're very difficult truths. And yet, when we live by the truth of God, it is amazing how God blesses us. And yet, for those who just want to go against the Word of God, uh, it's amazing the consequences that sometimes come. I I deeply appreciated uh, reading not too long ago Franklin Graham's quote when he said, Evil is not only condoned and accepted in our society But it is actively promoted by virtually every segment of our society Ooh, That's saying a lot, isn't it? It's not only condoned It's actively promoted I will leave these, um, this outline And uh, I encourage you to get them on your way out um, I really do uh, and I only have a, um, a brief summary. I only have a, a certain scripture passages. You, you will see as we go through this this morning that there are a number of portions of scripture that encourage us to, with regards to this truth. But uh, on this there is the, uh, I, I would say probably the key uh, summary verse of scripture um, that is given to us in the word of God. Now let me say this next uh, as we handle this subject. I want those who are here this morning, if you have been through a divorce of any kind, or someone in your family has been through a divorce, I want you to understand this, that you have support, okay? You have support from the Word of God. Now you say, well, what? what why are you saying that? Well, because uh, divorce is very difficult. In fact, uh, it's very complex. And I've been around people now for many years who have gone through it. And oftentimes there's one of the two persons who does not want the divorce. Sometimes there's someone in a marriage relationship that was unfaithful. But if you've been involved in any kind of divorce situation, here's the phrase I want you to remember. You are not a second class Christian with God no amens on that you are not now I'm saying that God discourages divorce in scripture in fact in Malachi chapter 2 please don't miss this part either he says I hate divorce Malachi chapter 2 you can look it up later however he doesn't say I hate those who are involved in divorce that's not what he says he loves us with an everlasting love. Didn't we sing that this morning? I have loved you with an everlasting love. But sometimes there are those who go through a divorce who start getting the impression maybe I'm, maybe I'm not just uh, like others who have never gone through that. Now, if you know Christ as Savior, if your sins have been forgiven in the past, you are um, righteous with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe there was some sin involved In the divorce situation. That all manner of sin can be forgiven by God. I'm going to mention these two verses. Some of you take notes. The first one is Matthew chapter 12 verse 31. Where Jesus said all manner of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven the sons of men. I so want you look back. Some of you who say, boy, you know, I did go through a difficult time. It's forgiven by the Lord if you've confessed and forsaken any part that you might have had in that situation. It's confessed. It's forgiven. If you truly repented before God for anything that might have been involved in your case. So Matthew 12, 31. And secondly, Hebrews 10, 17 The Lord says, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. So I hope I'm clear on this. And I want to be very clear because some of these things you're going to see in the Word of God. Obviously, God discourages divorce. He says, I hate divorce. Not the people. Am I clear on that? Can I hear another amen? Amen. Very important. And you have support from Christians who understand the Word of God. And sometimes there are people who don't understand the Word of God and um, can become very judgmental. And uh, I, I don't have anybody in mind here. But I, I know that I need to be careful. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. But uh, you who have been through something very difficult like that, please understand. Yes, there are truths in Scripture uh, where the Lord says in Malachi chapter 2, He says, clearly, I hate divorce, but not the people He hates that it has to happen. But sometimes because we live in a fallen world and because we are not perfect people, these kind of things do take place. But again, keep that phrase in mind. I jotted it down more than once. You are not a second class Christian with God. Marriage, what is it? Well, (laughs) I... I wrote out my own definition of marriage, and I think it's the best one I've ever seen. Oh, boy. Pray for the pastor. But I I, I do like it. In fact, I wrote it down when I heard, I heard a man say, well, the Bible doesn't really define marriage. I thought, wait a minute. Where'd this guy get his dream? The Bible speaks a lot about marriage. It's not a, just a verse like in your dictionary that says marriage is. But you put some verses together, and it's encouraging. Here's mine, and... um. I'm thinking of actually having it copyrighted. Now you're going to laugh again. Okay, Don did anyway. <laughs> uh, here's here's mine. Okay, here. Marriage is a covenant of companionship. Now those words are important because after each phrase I have a verse. Proverbs 2:17. It's a covenant of companionship. You see, when a man and a woman get married, they've already loved each other and they're companions together and they do things together. But the problem is sometimes after couples get married, they kind of, he works here and she works there and he's got friends here and she's got friends. And sometimes they, they don't keep that companionship that God wants to see in the marriage relationship. So there's the first phrase. Marriage is a covenant of companionship. Pro, Proverbs 2.17, Malachi 2.4 made by a man and a woman we'll talk about this Genesis 2:22 before God to live together as husband and wife for as long as they both shall live. Matthew 19:6. In other words, the point is the Lord speaks very clearly about what he desires to see as permanence in a marriage relationship. And uh, this study sheet I prepared for some premarital counseling. And I give um, six purposes of marriage. And the number one purpose at the top, uh, obviously all that we do were to glorify the Lord. But is the companionship. Because in Malachi 2.14, he says to the people of Israel, Your wife is your companion and the wife by covenant. And so uh, we believe in a covenant marriage relationship. Now here we go. We're going to dig into these um, ten truths. And I'm going to call it truth number one. God's stated truths with regards to love and marriage. Here we go. Number one. Sex is God's gift for heterosexual marriage. Now, you can just imagine how some people out in society would hear that. Sex is God's gift for a sexual relationship between a man and a woman. Now, already you know there would be people out in society. Well, we don't believe that. God created people as sexual beings in order to uh, be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 1.28. Before man's fall into sin... God's Word said the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. We read that in the passage this morning. And God our Creator intends sexual enjoyment to be between a man and his wife. This is very important. Multitudes of people in our society do not believe that the sexual enjoyment is only to be between a man and his wife. Scripture is clear on that. And I was doing a lot of reading this week. And uh, I... I don't know how to take what some of the things I read, but they say that this is not being taught in pulpits. It's not being taught in churches. Well, it should be, should it not? It really needs to be. This is a good subject. And God wants to bless us. Marriage is designed by God. It doesn't come from another uh, secular culture or a different cultures around the world. Marriage was given to us by God and the ability to enjoy sex and the relationship of marriage. That comes from God. We're, we're blessed people. It's interesting sometimes people say, well, Jesus never said anything about... And you've got to be careful when you hear that because because Jesus did talk about something. Matthew 19:4 and 5. Jesus said, have you not read that he who created them at the beginning created them male and female? Of course, the Christian, the believer who understands the Bible is God's truth oppose what is called same-sex marriage because the Word of God prohibits it. Scripture verses, yeah, are there some? Yes, there's a number of them. We'll look at some of these later again, keep in mind, the Bible never says that God hates homosexuals. The Bible never says that as believers we are to hate those who oppose the word of God. We don't hate them. We, we want to pray for them. It's a lifestyle that can be very dangerous to them. Okay, And uh, so we do not agree to that which is called same-sex marriage. Because uh, for a number of reasons, in fact, Erwin Lutzer's book on uh, the truth about same-sex marriage, Lutzer, L-U-T-Z-E-R, is probably one of the best things you'll read. A lot of people say, well, I don't see anything wrong with two men getting married or two women getting married. I don't see anything wrong with it. But it can be very detrimental uh, to society. It can be very harmful to children. Um, The law is a teacher, as Erwin said. Legalizing SSM teaches society that marriage is about coupling rather than about the love between a husband and wife and the bearing and raising of children. Very important. Furthermore, and he discusses this in the book, homosexual behavior is unhealthy and reduces the lifespan, there are actually statistics that prove this, reduces the lifespan between 8 to 20 years. The word of God is very clear. God, not some culture in our world, established and gave to us the marriage relationship. In that passage which was read for us this morning in Genesis chapter 2, uh, three basic things are given. Uh, the man leaves his parents, father and mother, and in a public act, promises to uh, uh, be uh, joined to his wife. Promises to support her. The man and the woman are joined together by taking responsibility for each other and by loving each other above all others. And they, uh, the two are united into one in intimacy. The two shall become one. That Intimacy brings union in the marriage relationship. Well, we survived that one. In New York, when we handled tough subjects, we used to say, let's raise the windows. Because they didn't always have air conditioning, you know. (laughs) Here we have air conditioning. Turn on the air conditioning. Okay, number two. Truth number two. Here we go. Sex outside of marriage is always wrong before God and you could, you have the right to say is there a verse that tells us that yes there are verses plenty that tell us that uh, but we're going to put down uh, Exodus chapter uh, 20 verse 19 where it says you shall not commit adultery you're going to put down Matthew 19 18 where Jesus said the same thing and when we say well what is sexual immorality it's all extramarital sex outside of the marriage relationship. Here's your key verse, by the way. First uh, Thessalonians 4:3. Uh, sometimes people say, you know, is it really God's will because these people love one another? In fact, they may love one another, but God wants us to hold until there's the context of the sexual relationship. First Thessalonians 4:3 says, "It is God's will that you avoid." Sexual immorality. I, I don't think there's a verse much clearer than that. It is God's will. 1 Thessalonians four three. And you know when you're talking with people about does God want me to do this or that if you can and we've had some messages not too long ago uh, even from some guests on the subject of the will of God. The will of God is stated in the word of God and uh, if you can take a passage like that and you can show it to someone and let me say this. I, I believe that verse is powerful, 1 Thessalonians 4 3. But just giving a verse to somebody isn't necessarily going to change their heart. That's why we have to pray for people who maybe they're outside the will of God and they don't want to do the will of God. Just telling them isn't going to do it. I, I don't believe. I believe, however, the compassion that comes from us for those who may be doing something apart from what God wants them to do. Your compassion, your concern, uh, your private prayers. See, here's an, uh, we've talked about this a lot. Now, Satan doesn't want you to believe that your praying is going to do anything. You've heard that before, right? I mean, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous much. avails much. But Satan wants you, oh, you, don't, you know, we prayed this morning for our country. We prayed for the division in our politics. Is it going to do anything? Just think if more and more Christians would pray for our country. It's amazing what would happen. Well, just think what happens when you pray for somebody you're concerned about and uh, they're, they're living outside the will of God and you want them to get back into the will of God. Maybe some people in very difficult situations. Here's the thing, though, that tries to set us back. When we don't see the results right away that we would like to see. In fact, I'm going to tell you something right now. I've prayed for some things for many, many years. I've prayed for people for many, many years. Uh, You've probably heard the story of uh, George Mueller in England who established the the home over there. He prayed for two men his whole life. And just before he died... (laughs) One of the men got saved, beautiful. But the other one didn't. But at his funeral, the other guy got saved. The Lord knows how to do things, (laughs) and we don't always see the the results immediately that we'd like to see. Okay, so um, yes, number three: God intended marriage to be permanent. And I've talked to people through the years, and they say, "Oh, I agree with that principle." Um, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And that's a strong Hebrew word. means to be bound and to be um, locked together in their relationship. Genesis 2.24, There shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. God intended marriage to be permanent. 1 Corinthians 7.39 is another verse. A wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whomever she wishes, only guided by the Lord. Now here we go into a more difficult territory. Stay with me. We only have a few minutes to do this, but I trust that it's going to be encouragement to you and that you can get the reminder sheets on the topics and you can study them on your own. Um, There are many who believe that the Word of God does speak to the subject of divorce. Did Jesus... Absolutely he did. Matthew 19, in fact, I'm going to turn to Matthew 197 7-9. Uh, this is the key passage that most people appeal to. And then we're going to talk about two more verses after that. Matthew 197 7-9. Here we go. They, that is the uh, leaders said to uh, Jesus, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce to put her away? Uh, I, it'd be interesting if you could go into the background here. Moses did give a certificate of divorce because people wanted a divorce in Israel. And um, to keep things situated, to keep things um, uh, regulated, Moses gave a bill of divorce. Okay, now watch this now. Jesus said, verse 8, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Did you see that? There's there's creation. From the beginning it wasn't so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Now, I don't think there's anything unclear about that passage. I really don't. You can look at it. It's, it Jesus speaks of divorce. You see, the encouragement is stay married. But if a divorce does take place, well, there it's clearly stated in the text that a divorce may take place. But Jesus said it happened that Moses gave the certificates of divorce because of the hardness of heart. All right. When it comes to the subject of divorce, I want you to remember the three A's. That's easy to remember. Three A's. That's not that company that comes out and changes your flat. Triple A. Okay, so you would say, okay, the first, the first uh, reason the Lord says that divorce was allowed was because of adultery. If one individual uh, in the relationship's unfaithful to the other, that's adultery and that's grounds for divorce. Now there's two others that are mentioned. I'll give you some verses and that uh, you work these out on your own. The second one is called abandonment. Abandonment. First Corinthians 7.15 If an unbelieving partner departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. First Corinthians 7.14 And then uh, in the passage where it says a brother or sister is not in bondage in such cases, there are those who interpret that to mean that the... Um, spouse who's been abandoned is free to not only have a divorce but to remarry. I'm just telling you what the interpretations are of the passages. There are some again who hold very strictly uh, to the first a adultery. The abandonment is also used and um, the third one and wow you see third one's called abuse adultery. Abandonment, abuse—three things that ultimately do time, sometimes result in divorce. And uh, the abuse is normally that which is life-threatening. So people put alongside of the word abuse, Exodus twenty thirteen, uh, that, that the person may actually be in danger of having their life taken away. Okay, let's move on. Number four. Truth number four, wow. Sexual purity begins in the mind. I think we know this. Um, Job 31.1, Job testified and he said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I shall not look with lust upon a young woman. Well, what a statement. I remember here one of our young people, right here at Louisville Bible, uh, he, he, there was some kind of discussion going on in the youth group and he said, you know, my parents taught me my parents taught me Job 31.1. And he said it. He said it without even reading it. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look with lust upon a young woman. I thought, wow, boy, those parents. Whew. God's, God's used them and blessed truth, truth number five, quickly. Sexual relations between people of the same gender are forbidden in Scripture. Now, there's a number of verses on this. Sexual relations between people of the same gender are forbidden. Probably the one that most people turn to is Leviticus 18.22. I'm going to read it. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Abomination means it's a hateful thing. Chapter 20 of Leviticus, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Is there anything unclear about that? I know what some people say. that Oh, that's the Old Testament. Yeah, that's the Old Testament. It's the Bible. And that truth is repeated in the New Testament. The truth of it in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. We will not go into detail on that. Truth number 6 celibacy being unmarried can be God's will for some key verse 1 Corinthians 7 to the unmarried and widows I say that it is good for them to remain single and he said that in that day because Uh, The church was being severely persecuted and he felt that it would be good for many in the church, the body of Christ, not to have family responsibilities in light of the persecution that was coming to the church. Um, 1 Corinthians 7.7, he said, God gives some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of singleness. So you know what we're saying? We're saying we've got to encourage married people, but we have to encourage single people. Not discourage them. Encourage them, uh, because the Lord may have somebody down the road for them to marry. We don't know, but we need to encourage. We need to be encouragers. We'll close with that thought. Truth number seven. Wow, well, I know you know this. We need to hear it. Sexual sin harms those who choose it. Especially, there's strong warnings in Scripture in relationship to adultery. Proverbs 6.32 and uh, 33. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will receive and his reproach will not be taken away. Wow. Boy. Do you think God has given enough warnings in his word To encourage husbands and wives to be faithful to one another. And to warn someone who may be tempted in the area of not being faithful in their marriage relationship. I think he has. I think he's given us enough of the word of God to encourage to, as we heard in the song this morning, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that's the next principle. It's truth number eight. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And that's the word agape. That's the love that only has its source in God. In other words, a non-Christian can't live and show agape love to his or her spouse. Only a believer can show agape love. And you know it, we've already said it for God, so love the world. You see? God so loved the world. And that's love that has its source in God. That's love that is an unconditional commitment. Didn't we sing this morning, I've loved you with an... How's it go? The love of the Lord. An everlasting love. Uh, and we should never never feel that God doesn't love us. Sometimes Here's where the problem comes in. Sometimes people say, well, you know, God allows something in my life I just don't understand. or He allows something in the lives of people we know and love. We just don't understand it. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. He loves us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. So husbands are to love their wives uh, with a love of Christ. Um, Wives are to be important to their husbands above all else. I like how the uh, man on Christian radio uh, keeps saying, he said, you know, man, he said, you have a job, right? You have a place where you work. Well, that's your number two job. Your number one job is to take care of your family. No amens on that. Amen. I'll do it. (laughs) Your number one job, that job that you go to where you get a paycheck and you come home, that's your number two job. Your number one job is to love your wife as Christ loved the church, to love your children and support them and encourage them. That that is good counsel, it really is. Um, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We're going to make it through all ten of these. Number nine, wives are encouraged to respect and encourage their husbands. Wives should encourage and respect their husbands. Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife and as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be uh, subject to their own husbands. And of course the point of this is that the, the husband and the dad in the family is given leadership responsibility. The head tells the rest of the body what to do. Okay, And this submission term, and I love looking this up again. If you look this up and see the use of submission that God asks women to do, it comes from a Greek word which actually means the voluntary decision to respect and encourage another. You look up that background of that Greek word. And it's in the middle voice too. It's in the middle voice. In other words, the Lord is saying to wives... Not like a drill sergeant would say, hey, you've got to do this. That's not exactly how it works its way out. The idea is that voluntary submission. It's in the middle voice. Place yourself in submission to your husband who is responsible to God for the leadership in the family. In fact, their wife is in no way, no way inferior to her husband. The Word of God is clear on this. And that's Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. But you are all one in Christ. So he looks at husbands and wives uh, as those who are equal spiritually under God. Last one, just quickly. Uh, When conflict arises in a marriage... The goal was always to resolve it. Now, uh, this this list, you said, where'd you get that list from? Well, I got a list from somebody else doing a study, but I revised it. I put my own scripture in it. And I believe these truths are found in the Word of God. You can get that on your way out this morning. Uh, when conflict arises or occurs in a marriage, the goal was always to resolve it. Okay? And uh, I like some of the discussion I found around this subject. Things like... Overlook minor offenses. Settle disputes privately. Be committed to whatever you do to glorifying God. Speak the truth in love. Be committed to the Lord in prayer. And practice the power of forgiveness. And boy, there is forgiveness with the Lord. We've experienced, haven't we? Haven't we experienced God's forgiveness in our lives? We certainly have. God designed sex between a husband and a wife, and there is where it is to be enjoyed. God gives boundaries. and He doesn't give these truths in His word in order to um, hinder enjoyment. If ever there and these principles, you've heard them and they're difficult, they're only there to bring blessing. Into the lives of those who will do things his way. That's very important that we hold to that truth. Vitally important. And uh, furthermore. God wants us to remain. True to one another. And faithful to him. Psalm 119 verse 9. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. You know there's nothing like your time in the scriptures. You may say, yeah, I do it every day. Yeah, and God wants to bless you for doing it. He wants to encourage you for being in his word. Let's bow in prayer together.